You're listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast. Brought to you by Real Geese Decoys, the most technological advanced silhouette decoys on the market. And Vortex Canada, the force of optics. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Union 0430, episode 71, and another good one coming up tonight. We have got all the way from Stittsville, Ontario, about uh, an hour and a half east of where I'm located, about 20 minutes away from Mark. We've got Phil Savignac from PVS Game Calls, who Dave and I had the pleasure of meeting last weekend at the... 2K21 Punisher Waterfowl Foul Weekend. So we got we we had a chance to meet with Phil Savvy. I'm gonna call him Savvy, so that's what you guys will hear him referred to as. We got to meet Savvy at that weekend, hung out with him. Him and Dave bonded, became best friends over tone boards. Um, they held hands for a little bit, and uh, and now uh, here he is. He's a guest on the show. So um, as usual, save your joke, Dave. I know you're waiting. I know you're waiting. Save your joke, Dave. So, as usual, Mark is in Ashton, just outside of Ottawa. Uh, Phil, you know what? I don't even know. Phil, where are you now? You're no longer in the dirty schwa. Skogog. Skogog. This is like the second episode. In- I know. But I know <laughs> it's the second episode, but I don't. Port Perry. Port Perry. There you go. Port Lake Perry. Skugog, the Kawartha Lakes. Yeah. Right next to Skugog. Skugog should be what we... That's what we should say. Scugog. Okay. Dave the Phil, Philly is in Scugog, and we've got Dave up in Concordon. Apparently, Jeff Coates finds it extremely funny the way that I say Concordon. So, um, yeah, he gets me to say it all the time, um, which is super funny. But, and King Cardine. <laughs> and as I said, we've got Savvy coming to us from Stittsville, just outside the nation's capital. Uh, Savvy, thanks for coming on. I know you weren't given a whole lot of notice on this. We met on the weekend. Dave mentioned it to you uh, while you guys were geeking out. And then I sent and then I asked you, I think it was on Monday. And you were like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So um, welcome, man. Um, Great to see you again. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, honestly, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's I'm like a little school kid. I'm got super, super excited when you asked. Um, yeah, no, this weekend was awesome. It was great to meet all you guys. I had a blast. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with shooting ducks over water. It's probably one of my favorite pastimes and talking about calls with, uh, Dave was awesome too. Yes, we will talk about tone boards later, but, uh, we'll keep it PG for now. <laughs> um, Hey Mark, guess what? Savvy brought to camp. Moose Bologna. And boy, it is it is as good as it sounds. It was even cool. better when he made moose bologna newfie steaks. Yeah, I wish I wish I would have brought more because uh, that one that one piece did not last like ten minutes with the guys at the camp. No, no, it was. But yeah, that uh, that was a moose uh, we got in uh, Quebec, uh, just uh, north of Tremblant, uh last year. So it was uh, it was really good. We were there for a week, shot on the first day. Uh, the rest of the week, we just have to pretty much drink the beer so we have a lighter load on the way out. wonder what that's Genius. like to get a 
get an animal on the first friggin' day of the season. I, it doesn't happen often. It was honestly one of those flukes. So we took advantage of it and the weather was nice too. So it was great. I was talking to dad today and I was like, Hey, have you been down? Have you been down looking for your moose yet? And he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been down. He said, but I'm stopped now. Cause we only got a bull only tag. And he was like, the rut is on now. He said, so I'll wait until the rut's over before I go back at it now. Um, so anyways, enough talking about moose hunting. Let's talk about birds. So Savvy got to spend uh, the uh, a couple hunts with me uh, in the boat. Um, and, and everybody that's listening, um, I, I want to give you an idea of just who this guy is. And, and Dave will probably touch on it a little bit more. So as we said, Savvy owns uh, PVS Game Calls uh, out of, here out of uh, Ontario. Fairly new, fairly new calls that are out. Um, not a lot of people uh, know about it, but we're going to fix that starting here tonight. But to give you an idea of just how great a dude this fella is, I had said to him, I said, listen, make sure you bring some calls down to camp because some fellows will probably want to buy them. Um, so make sure you bring some calls. He was like, yeah, okay, I'll bring some calls. And you know what? Everybody that, I shouldn't say everybody, but there was a few fellas there that that had calls that weren't working, weren't sounding right. And, you know, Savvy just took the time and regardless of whose call it was, he, he worked with the worked with the caller, made sure that it was tuned up, sounded right for, for that caller, um, not even worrying about his own stuff. So uh, give you an idea of just a, a, a really good guy just to be able to do that. So I wanted to get that out there. Dave, uh, I may have stole your thunder there because I know you were probably going to say something like that too. Oh, no, exactly. Like every year I always bring my my tuning kit with all my extra corks and reeds and stuff. And people don't understand that like the reed or sorry, the cork will actually like deteriorate over time and you should change it out. So every year it's like, okay, this call's not sounding good. And well, you change the cork out and look, it's almost like a new call again. And But this time, like I'm a five and a half hour drive and I had to work. So then I show up, I'm like, okay, who needs a call done? And everyone's like, oh no, this other guy got it. Like, it's good. And I'm like, Oh, I can start drinking. So it was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it was my pleasure. I got to know the guys even better. Uh, I, I know some of the guys really appreciate it. And I told them like, look, it's uh, all these calls are serviceable. A lot of people don't know that as you mentioned. And again, just, just going back on like more of philo- philosophical side of it, you know, it, it's good to, to know how to either, repair or recycle some of the stuff that you already own, especially in gear. So, you know, preventing that existing call to either be tossed or going to landfill. It's just a good, good practice to, you know, teaching the guys how to service them, teach the guys how to tune them also. Cause uh, that's a big, big issue in the industry. I know, especially with the custom calls is that every guy will take a call and blow it differently. So mm-hmm. I tune a call from my way. I give it to another guy. The call sounds like shit. Or vice versa. He has a call that he sounds great with it. He passes it to me and I can't blow it. So it's good to have that one-on-one interaction with the end user. So whoever's using the call and just tune it exactly the way they want. And at the end, they're happy. I'm happy. And we just build a better like hunting relationship yeah. that way. It's, you know, trust that's uh, getting passed around. And, and taken with what Phil said there, like if someone's going out and they're looking to buy a new call, don't be afraid to blow that call. Like when Phil had all his calls there, uh, he had, was it two or three different, well, he had the woody call the number one and number three yeah. there. Right. Um, and I tried yeah, them and 
like one fits you and maybe another one doesn't. So try the calls. If you're looking for a hunting call, try the call before you buy it. Maybe it doesn't fit you. Like just because I really like a PVS call, it might not fit my blowing style, but it is something that you can work with. Right. So sorry. Go ahead, Phil. I was going to say like, that's just it. And like, I think the biggest one is mostly the goose calls. Goose calls are usually calls are usually harder to break, but if you buy a call that has the gut system that is tunable, then you have a call for the rest of your life. Uh, when you get the tone boards and the reads that are adjustable, then you got a lot of option. And as a caller, uh, let's say when you're first starting out, you can only do those honks, those single honks. That's great. That's enough to land some birds in the spread. But if you're progressing, you want to try like a multiple of like speed clocks and honks and moans, then, you know, having those calls being adjustable, you can adjust it as you progress as a caller. Uh, so I always tell people like if you first time getting a call, sometimes I tell them to avoid getting those very, very cheap calls. Cause those calls usually are, are fixed tone board. You can't adjust them whatsoever. Uh, and I tell them like, you know, these are good options to start the guts inside are serviceable. And then, you know, it's, it's a better value for your investment. I'm, I'm big on starting with those uh, Delta waterfowl calls. The ones that you get for free every Delta event. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just keep one in the truck and then like you can blow it all year long. And yeah. then if someone steals the calls out of your truck, it's like, oh, it's just a Delta yeah. call. We'll get, in, we'll go to another banquet and get another one. Yeah. So eventually, eventually I'd like to, to be able to providing that many like that money volume to those events. Cause I still, I do donate to uh, some of those Delta waterfowl ducks unlimited. Uh, the one I just donated a set of calls to is the safari. Uh, international. Yeah. yeah. International safari Canada. Uh, just submitted the calls or banquets uh, tomorrow night. Uh, but I just gave him a collection of Turkey calls, a wood call into a grunt call and a, a mallard call for those events. And they're going to go in silent auction or a live auction, but, Eventually, I want to be able to increase my 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 volume because I'm still a custom call maker. But maybe down the road, we'll see. I'd like to produce more, get some mass produce. Hopefully, still manufacturing in Canada. That's one of my big things. Mm-hmm. Uh, get it manufactured this side of the pond. Um, so when there's, you know, who knows? If there's another pandemic, you know, there's not going to be a shortage of getting this, the material or getting the stuff from overseas. It's already going to be on this side. Uh, but... Yeah, those those calls out those uh, those events they're great for starting, uh, and again they're honestly they're great little calls they're polymer calls you can beat those up they're still gonna work, but hopefully we in a couple of years ten years uh, I'll hopefully I can supply a large large amount of calls to those events. Those, those delta. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say those delta calls are also good if like. You have nieces and nephews and you really want to get back at your brother. So you give them to your nieces and nephews to learn how to call with. Yeah. yeah. Just blow into them. Who cares? Just, yeah. yeah. And Just it's best noise. to practice in the house. Like, oh yeah. Well, I tell a lot of the guys, they, they say they have their partners that or their, their wives that they don't like it when they call in the house. I tell them, just call in the truck where you're driving. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the majority of guys I know when they're practicing, they're just practicing while they're driving. Yeah. So it's like, instead of drinking a Coke bottle, you're blowing a call. So Hopefully it's not too much of uh, distracting driving, but. Hey, Philly, do you, uh, when you're uh, cruising around in the, uh, in the cruiser, when you're cruising in the cruiser, are you, uh, do you have a duck call or a goose call up to your lips? Um, 
but but I mean, not anymore because uh oh they they are the Phil sorry <laughs> you're savvy you're savvy that's Philly yeah I got it yeah I I I normally don't bring them to work but I may may have one night many you know what would be awesome is when is when Phil is when Philly gets back on the bicycles when he starts doing bicycle patrols. And he's got his lanyard around his neck. <laughs> his his lanyard will hang down longer than his shorts. <laughs> well, that's not hard. That's not hard. Yeah. That's that's some short shorts. For all you listening, get the mental picture going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I brought I brought out a turkey diaphragm one night like years ago and was driving around and was chirping it on the loudspeaker in the scout car, just freaking out people. Yeah, I dare say. I've done that at work. I mean, so I'd like to be able to. I'd like to be able to get Vitch and and Savvy together. And and the reason why I'd like to get the two of them together is I want to see who could outdo who on the the extra stuff that's brought to the to the hunt. And and the reason why I say this. Is because so Savvy gets in my boat um, right off the bat. Uh, my GPS craps out on me. Um, needs batteries. I'm like shit. Got no batteries. I got bat. He says I have batteries. Awesome. So he goes and gets batteries. Then we're setting up the the lucky or uh, Logan McNulty's um, mojo, and the pole that I have doesn't work. So in his, in his Yeti bucket, he's got a bale of baling wire um, and, his, and his pliers and, and a jerry. What did you call it? You use a French oh, word for it. French word, the uh, brush à foin. Yeah. So he, he, he starts jerry-rigging this friggin' mojo to, to a piece of PVC pipe and jams that in. And he's got this, he's got that, that Yeti bucket with the, you know, the, the, little carry-all thing that you can attach to the Yeti buck with all the pockets. You've got a cranberry full of trinkets and little odds and ends. Well, that's... So you don't that's have the $60. Her. You don't have the $60 Yeti bucket. you got the $140 Yeti bucket. Yeah, well, I, I got a lot of family that love me. I got a lot of family that love me. So they bought me these gifts, so I'm not going to complain. No, no, not at all. Yeah, but uh, no, that's just a habit of, I guess, product of my environment. I grew up in Northern Ontario, so a lot of the time it's if you drive out to a spot and you didn't bring your gear, you're screwed. So just bring as much stuff as possible. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought I was going to get chirped about that bucket because uh, it is a Yeti bucket and it is an expensive bucket just to hold some ammo and some haywire. But <laughs> hey, I was hey, it's all good, man. Hey, and I had some batteries. Uh, yeah, you had some batteries and you had some bailing where you, you saved the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I wasn't going to make fun of your bucket, especially after you had to reach into it twice to sort me out. I would never make fun of your bucket. Now, on the next hunt, if I don't need anything out of the bucket, then I will make fun of the bucket. Okay, cool, cool. I'll make sure to bring a flag, too, for you, so at least we're even that way. Yeah, so so the joke was, while we're is that we were talking about goose calling and stuff, and then someone had mentioned, you know, the importance of having a flag when you're when you're goose hunting. And I was like, I was I was usually the the flag guy. 
uh, I didn't touch my calls. I always touched, I was always in charge of the flag. So he had, he had a little bit of fun making fun of me and, and throwing that out there uh, any chance he could about me being the flag guy. But I was walking, I was walking on eggshells because I didn't know who you are that well yet. So I was like, okay, if I crack a joke, there's other two ways I go up overboard or I stay in the boat. So nah, you're good. Um, that being said, I was impressed with, um, you know, you, you know, like when you go out hunting with someone new for the first time and, and you're like, okay, how, how is this going to go? Like how, you know, when they see birds, are they going to be, you know, just hammering on the calls? Are they going to be going nuts on calls and stuff like this? Right. So I'm always, I'm always wondering what fellas are going to do, especially eh? so first time, uh, hunting with them. So we get out. Um, we hide, you know, uh, hide as best we can. We didn't do a very good job in the morning, uh, but in the evening we sorted ourselves out when it come to hiding. Um, and boy, I can tell you, Savvy can run a call, but he loves coming onto that call so much that I just had to say, Hey boys, Let's let's tuck the calls away for a little bit here for let's see what happens when we don't call. And oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Savvy was good. He was like, Oh yeah, no problem. He tucked his calls away. Logan McNulty's like, I gotta take them right off. Like he had to take his lanyard off his neck and put it put them in his bag. He's like, if it's hanging around my neck, I'm gonna be blown into it. I'm like, holy, but boy, I tell you what, if there was any birds that were interested in us. Or, or didn't know where we were. They definitely knew where we were after the boys got done a, a, a couple minutes of a column there. That's for sure. Kind of like those geese, know. those geese that you guys were calling that you couldn't see. <laughs> yeah, the boys you know were calling. So we heard them call and we're like, fuck, there must be geese somewhere close by. So then all of a sudden you got Jason Sear, me and Troy Blackwell, who Troy can run a call too for being 18. I was like, Oh, this is good. We just start fucking hammering on them and it <laughs> sounded good. And then those guys start calling. We're like, Oh, well we can't see anything, but we're, we're calling, we're calling, we're calling. And we're like, ah, fuck there. So then we get off when we get back to shore, these guys are like, Oh, we couldn't see those geese, but they were close by. Weren't they? <laughs> yeah, this time, I wasn't calling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I just, I hooked up Logan yeah. with a, a brand new goose call. So I was also like tuning his call in the boat or yeah. tweaking it too. So and I was like, okay, try this. This is how better. And he's like, yeah, it sounds better. So the only call on I done was every once in a while, I'd pick up my, uh, my Drake whistle and do a little <laughs> and then put her down. That was, it. that was the extent of my call. And that was it. But uh, Billy, what, what, but what you said, that's like a really good, uh, that's a really good lesson to a lot of guys. Cause again, usually I'm the one that you are. So I tell the guys, you know, let's do a lot less calling, see how the birds behave and just yeah. work off of that. Cause a lot of time, like the best calling is no calling, but, uh, I got a little overexcited that day. I was just happy to be. It's all, all good, buddy. We, we weren't seeing a whole ton of birds either. So, um, so it's all good. I got, I got to switch here a little bit because this, this brand new blue uh this brand new red sweater is just occupying up so it's, much of this and i'm just it's, it's emanating it emanating nice i like that so um it's i don't thing know i if, don't have that that's wow. a good thing i don't have that sweater on the benelli would look like the kool-aid man's eyes and i'd be coming in going oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh yeah, tough oh. man. Um, Philly, yes, new yeah. gun today. New gun today. Yes. New gun, no. eh? This is the quietest Phil has been. We'll show it all. We'll, we'll bust it out for the episode. Got his got his new gun. It, it it's either he has the most understanding wife, or she has absolutely no idea how much money Phil spends on guns. One or Dang the other. I, I would like to point out that I got a new gun as well. Did you? No, she she did you no get point. that? Did you get that? Did you get that Hooglu? Oh, yes, Hooglu. Let's see that thing all the it way from our out. good friends at Wolverine Supplies. Surprise. Get, it's downstairs in the basement in the gun cabinet. Land. Oh. Anyways, so here's my new toy. A responsible gun owner like you are. Yeah. Look at that. My, my Screw you guys. Right, right there. He's going. <laughs> yeah. He's going. <laughs> Screw you guys. Um, so what'd you get, so, Philly? Obviously a Benelli. It's the new Super Black Eagle 3 in 20 gauge, which they just came out with. And I opted for the 28 inch barrel. Where normally kind of like the gold standard for most 20 gauges, whether it's semi pump, whatever the case may be, is a 26, which is what I have on my M2 that everyone has seen, you know, a thousand times. Yeah. Um, what I opted for the 28 inch barrel, I'm gonna give her give her a go this Saturday and we'll We'll see how she pans out. 28 inches to go along with the 18 and a half foot boat, man. It's got to, it's the way it got to be. Got to go big girl home. <laughs> go home. That's, that's right. But I must say red is very becoming of you. I'm not a red person. It brings out the veins in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brings out the bloodshot eyes. But uh, yeah, like this thing's like less than six pounds. Um, it's like everyone oh, should oh. buy one. Okay, let's let let's oh, see right. it, Dave. David's back. Yeah, let's with see it, the, Dave. With the hoogaloo. The hoogaloo. Oh, right. oh. It's the hoogaloo twelve gauge over under. It is actually for the price point. It feels good. It's it's really a nice gun. So yeah, yeah. Uh, when did you get it today? Yesterday. Okay, so you and you've been into the rain, so you haven't hunted, right? Not yet. So planning to this weekend. I was waiting for my second uh, kicks to come in, but it's not in okay. yet. So, so I I had to laugh when I said it was raining and Dave hadn't been out. So uh, Dave and I done a done a call the other night with uh, uh, Bobby Hayes and and Eric Massey. And we were just chatting about some stuff. And I said, man, I love it. Like, that's the day I love is when it's raining. And, and some days, you know, like some of the pictures, when you look at the marketing guys for, for waterfowl, right? For waterfowl hunting and gear and stuff. And it's usually like this sideways rain coming in and it just looks miserable. And you're like, yeah, that's what waterfowl hunting's all about. And then Bobby Hayes goes, yeah, no, I'm uh I'm scouting on those days. I am not out on those days. Sure. And I'm like, yeah, well, he, he hunts every single day. Right. So he's like okay. the days when it's the days when it's uh, uh, absolutely horrible. He's like, that's when I scout. And, th and that's when Eric Massey, you know, I never, ever thought about this, but Eric Massey said this and, and Dave, correct me if I say it wrong. 
but when I had said, you know, those are the days I love and, and you look at those waterfowlers and, and, and that's what you think a waterfowl hunter is, is, is out in those really shitty days. Right. And Eric Massey said to me, he said, yeah, but Damien, you know that that may have been like the reason why that picture sticks in your head is because that may have been the only day that that dude could get out during the week. Like that's not the day he picked to go out. He worked Monday to Friday. Saturday is the only day that he gets to hunt. And, and it just happens to be shitty weather and, and he's going regardless of the weather, right? It's not that that's what he's picked. It's just, that's what he's forced to deal with. Right. And I never, ever thought about it. I never, ever thought about, you know, the, the fellas that just, they get one day a week. They got to go regardless of what's happening out there. That's why they make Gore-Tex. Very true. Yep. There was, there was a few nice things that came out of that call. Some, Yeah. Well, like, I tell you what, that the post that we made today, Dave, regarding the, uh, the fact that, you know, people need, and, and by no means am I trying to say this is what people should do because who am I? Um, I'm just some chump. Um, but when we've done that post today, it seemed to have got a lot of attention. We got a lot of shares, a lot of people reposted it, the whole thing. And it was, and it all had to do with the fact, listen, social media is making us, and this is my thoughts, um, but social media is making us believe that we need to limit out every time we go. And in order for a hunt to be successful, it has to be a limit. It has to be, a pile of birds shot and, and crazy long shots. And you know what I mean? And, and that's such the wrong message that's, that's being put out there. That's, that's my feeling anyways. I don't know what you guys it's, think about it. It's that. funny. It's funny you say that. Cause like any of those that like follow my stuff on Instagram, like I got like 150 pictures. I honestly think out of the 150, there's like two pile pictures. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, you look and, and at like, uh, Maddie Wilson. I've, Sorry, yeah, go, Phil. I've I've always said like smiles over piles, right? And I'm of the opinion like I don't need to shoot limits every time I go. Yeah, it's great. Sure, you know, you come home with a pile of meat, whatever. The fact that I got to go, I'm already successful. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, the fact that I got to get out there and sit in the middle of nowhere and stare at guy and do whatever, I am already successful i don't see anything wrong with the with a pile of birds yes every now and again share your success put it up that you gotta got a limit or whatever but i mean that's there has to be something else other than just pictures of limits right there has to be other things right because that's not it that's definitely not the only reason i hunt i mean there was a while where i bet you every third day i was putting up a pile of birds for a good couple of years yeah. during waterfowl season and it i was looking at it myself at near the end of it and i said this is freaking ridiculous i said i can't it's just it just doesn't make sense to continuously do it because what's the point it's just another picture of another pile of birds right so that's well, what it's I funny, like, folks. when when i went to the punisher camp two years ago when we were down at long point i could have sat in camp all day yeah i, I could have even not even brought a gun yeah, just, just as I said, you, I spent the whole weekend uh, hunting, 
Um, you know how many shells I, I shot? Two. <laughs> the first the first one I missed on that Woody uh, Savvy, and then the second one I, I got that. So I fired two two shots at the same bird. Um, that was that was all I shot the entire weekend. And and I must say I had a I had a great weekend. It was a lot of fun. Um, but you know, to to touch back onto this this subject of and listen, by no means am I saying if, if you're putting up pictures of piles of birds that you're wrong. That that's not that's not my I, I don't have that right to say that to you. It, it's your social media, you do whatever you want. But the point that I'm trying to is that what drew you to going out hunting in the first place? Is that was that was that what caught your attention and wanted and and got you up at four o'clock in the morning to to drive and to, to be out in the rain and the shitty weather and the whole bit and putting in the work and, and the gas for scouting? Is that what you done it for was for that pile or was it because you got to share the blind with a new friend or an old buddy or with your dog or with a place that meant something to you that your father, grandfather, mentor had taken, taken you to that. That's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to get people to, to realize. Don't worry about the, the pile picks. Remember the reason that got you out there the very first time you went out. And I, I guess that's that's the point I'm trying to make here. Yeah, and, and, and just to add to that, like I probably my best memories that I'm having, for example, with my father, because we we started hunting since he moved to Ottawa. Uh, yeah. When I was younger, we had a working relationship. He owned a business. We all worked for him. We all work in construction. Uh, but now that he's retired, you know, all the time I'm spending with my dad, it's either we're going ice fishing, fishing, hunting, turkey hunting or deer hunting. Even we come home empty handed a day with my dad spent in the field, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I think going back to social media, I think the problem is, is there hasn't been enough good examples of how to do those posts effective. Cause there's two sides of it, right? Why do people post want to get attention, get likes, but also yeah. they want to share their journey with someone. And I think a challenge to everyone will be how do you make a post that is not showing numbers, but also showing your experience. And I don't think there's been a lot of examples of that or not enough examples that are known online to about, you know, describing those experiences and the values of going out and spending in the outdoors. So hundred percent agree with what you're trying to say. And I'm on board with that because piles, like I said, like if you look at my personal account, I had when I was goose hunting, when I lived in Winchester, I was getting limits almost every single time I got out for goose. And it got to the point where, no, I still enjoy going out for goose. I still enjoy socializing with other guys, but needed the other challenge. So I've been hunting a lot of water. So going for ducks and if you're a good, if you go out for ducks often, you'll see it getting your limit every single time is pretty rare with ducks compared to geese mm -hmm. and just telling people, you know, there's a lot of hard work. You should, you know, cherish, you know, getting some birds down. That's, that's a reward enough, but going out there and the, the, the challenge of getting out there and getting all the gear, uh, the scouting, you know, that's just as rewarding, but yeah, it's uh finding the right post to describe that is probably going to be the next challenge. Uh, savvy. I was going through your uh, Instagram there for your PBS calls. And uh, I noticed your, your, your uh, A5 aficionado. We, we have another guy here who is an A5 aficionado. Auto. Oh, auto, my five. auto five. Yeah. Auto five, yeah. 
See, I'm so, not an A5 aficionado. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the Auto Five long short story about well, long short story about that is I kind of got expired um, inspired by a lot of the hunters in Arkansas that are remaking a lot of the classic calls from like the 1930s and 1960s. They're doing re-release of those. So the reason I picked up the A5 and alongside older guns like a 16 gauge Model 12 is that I wanted to bring back sort of that nostalgia of having calls that are uh, handmade calls that are accurate for that period and post those pictures with the, the guns. But it just so happens I like that Auto 5 so much that I hunt with it quite often whenever it's a nice day because uh, I do I do cherish, uh, cherish that that older gun because it's a Belgian made 1965. And then my Model 12 is in 1958. So got some bismuth round within. I try not to damage those, but yeah, they're, they're beautiful guns. I can't really complain about them. Savvy, I wanted to go back to uh, just about two minutes before when you had said something, you had talked about, you know, things that you're seeing um, within social media and, and all this stuff. And, and by no means am I trying to say that you're, you're new to hunting because you're not, you've been doing it for a long time, but within the, um, I guess industry for lack of a better word here in, here in Ontario, uh, Eastern Canada, um, you are somewhat new, especially on the, on the social media side of things um, and, and the business side of things. What are some of the biggest things that you're seeing? And, and, and if there's, so what do you like and what's some things you, you would like to be able to change if you could? Yeah, no, that's, that's actually a really good question. And we did touch base briefly in the boat when we were out fishing, uh, out hunting for ducks. Yeah. So like I said, I am, I've been hunting since God knows on because it's part of our culture growing up. Uh, being Northern Ontario, we, most of the hunting that we're exposed to is small game. So grouse, moose, deer, we didn't have the huge waterfowl population. Uh, so around here, since I moved to Ottawa air been 2010, so over just over 10 years, 11 years. Um, I noticed when they're getting a lot of youth involved in hunting, they're getting involved in goose hunting because it's abundant. It's easy. Uh, you can accommodate a lot of people. Now, to the other part of the question you were asking about social media, um, well, for us is because in Northern Ontario, everybody hunts, you don't need to share your story. Everybody knows. You go to the butcher, the butcher's going to tell you who brought back a moose. And then that's the talk of the town. Uh, but what I'm kind of noticing is, well, there's good, there's good things that I like to see is one, there's a lot more people getting involved in the sport or mm -hmm. the whole thing, which is great for us because uh, we're almost a dying breed. So it's great to see that new traction. The other negative part of that is that new traction could also bring negative attention, but also I, what I've noticed, especially being fairly new in the call industry, um, I'm not sure if my logo or the way I present my calls, people think I'm a bigger company than what I am. I do custom calls, but some guys approach me thinking I'm a big organization that I can pump out like, you know, 10,000 calls a year. Uh, sorry. I got a lot of big organizations that reach out and be like, Hey, would you willing, would you be willing to sponsor or show? uh and provide calls but oftentimes i reach out to them and they say like i would love to but as a small business owner and managing risk i'm trying to not put that money out there where yes i'll get great traction but if i can't supply the demand it's more of a negative negative on my company so mm -hmm. if, let's say i invest uh you know x amount of dollars for publicity and i get ten thousand views on my website 
out of those 10,000 views, maybe you get 25% of those 10,000 views, I'll place an order. If I get that many orders right away, I won't be able to supply that. And then my rating or customer review, because people are very vocal nowadays. If they don't like what they see, they're extremely vocal. And very often, much, mostly yeah. don't say the positive stuff. They'll say the negative stuff because they're enraged. They don't want to take the time to think about their thoughts. They just rush right away to, to say all the negative stuff. And unfortunately for small business owners, that's the worst thing that can happen because you go to Google, Google reviews, it's quite easy to see the negative stuff. And, um, and with that, in fairness, Phil, the only reason why they're that vocal and such is because they're doing it on the webernet and no one can slap them like a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's just it. Like two things. Number one, people need to start leaving more positive reviews to out, outnumber these negative because the negative right now is the loudest voice because it's the only voice. Yeah. And the other thing is sometimes when people have a negative opinion or a misrepresented opinion, you need to call those assholes out because they need to be learned. That's what they need. Yeah. And I, we, we probably talked about us. I'm, I, you guys probably know us at the camp, but I'm very, very quiet when it comes to voicing my opinion on like social medias and stuff like that. Again, just being that small business owner, I'm trying to mediate risk and by mediating risk is also keeping a lot of those thoughts for myself. So someone say, Oh, those calls suck. I'm like, all right, good. You know what? That's good. If you want to give me positive criticism, tell me what's wrong with those calls. And then I'm going to bring it back and fix them. And yeah. every time yeah. someone comes back, say, Hey, this call doesn't work great. I sit down with them and I'll be like, okay, let's make this work. And I don't make better calls if I just assume everything's perfect it, I can't uh, and, improve my game. and that's a good way like throw it back at them like okay well then tell me tell me what it is tell me how to fix it like good yeah. throwback like don't just say uh, or or you know like may, maybe listen i i don't know much about call making but maybe there is maybe there's a dud i i don't know right maybe there is something that got mixed uh, or got missed so throw back, listen, what's wrong with the call and, and yeah. let's work together and let's, let's figure it out because listen, I value you as a customer. You spent your hard earned money on my product. I trust me. I don't want people out talking bad about my product. I want it to be yeah. good. So I, I'm very, well, just, just add, add Phil, um, like I'm very much of an opinion. Calls are like guns. Not everyone's going to fit you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I, there's a number of gun, number of gun manufacturers models out there that I shoot them very well. And there's guns out there that I've shot where shit, I couldn't hit the ground if I dropped the damn thing. Yeah. And it's nice as, you know, you as a call maker, like, again, like just like duck calls, goose calls, like not everyone's going to fit you, but it's nice to have call makers like yourself. Okay. Well, you're struggling. What's the issue? And you spending the time sitting down and like you said, even like, I wish I was there on the weekend, but unfortunately I had to work, but you sitting down like in the boat, in the field out there with the guys, well, this isn't working. What's wrong. And we'll fix it right now. And then you in turn, take that back and make a better product. But again, like it's just, it's that level of customer service that you're giving where again, like I said, that call doesn't work for you. Well, let's make it work. And if it doesn't work, maybe we try a different call. And you investing that time into these hunters is what, you know, speaks volumes and will definitely grow your business. Well, some, some guys I've been on last minute zoom calls, especially for like the Turkey season, uh, like with the slate calls, let's say they got their slate super wet or they've been rubbing their thumbs on it. And you don't get that friction that you're supposed to. A guy calls me up 
you know, call's not working. I thought the striker was supposed to be waterproof. I had a quick Zoom call with them and I said, okay, if you got this sandpaper, sand it this way. If you have scotch bright, sand it this way. And they were just blown away because they're like, wow, I didn't expect, you know, you to call me right away and sort this out. And which was great. He shot a big bird that following morning. So I was super happy for him. And, you know, we got a great experience. Um, just our relationship as a customer and a, a, uh, a call maker, it's, it's, it's been a great experience. It's one of the things that drives me to do more as a small business owner. But uh, uh, Damien, just going back to your, your other question about the social media, I think I kind of derailed and I'm known to derail. We, we do that. We do that a lot on this okay. show. That, that's the nick yeah that's the nickname for this show or the union or the derail whatever okay, okay. yeah whatever yeah yeah well just going going back on the social media thing it's i'm and again i got nothing wrong with with these guys but there's a the one thing that kind of upsets me a bit is though the i've been hunting once then i come back i'm a pro staff and i'm a superstar and then what happened is it's again it's great to get those because they'll attract uh, additional people to the sport. And that's what we want. The more people, the bigger voice we have in the community, that's excellent. But it's uh, giving that wrong advice when you're new. Uh, and again, there's a lot of entitle entitlement with younger, younger hunters. Uh, hopefully with age, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of fall into their senses. Uh, but it seems again, especially with social media, it's, uh, it seems a bit of a competition of, who can post what get more likes is some of them make a big, some big coin with, with getting some sponsorship for, let's say if they get more likes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. it, it is a source of revenue. And I know, you know, I, I, if I've, if I was, you know, let's say like 20 years younger and I was first entering, I would probably be in the same boat, but like, how can I get more likes? How can I get more followers? And hopefully I can get an income because fuck working nine to five, I can stay yeah. home and do some stuff. Yeah. And get an income. Why not? Right. So I don't blame them. So we're, we're, we're in a weird transition where we're getting those mixed generation interacting together on the same platform. Uh, but again, it's uh, giving out dangerous advice. Uh, Cause it, it is, yeah, it, it could be a very enjoyable sport, but it can also be very dangerous. And also you want to be as ethical as possible. So there is uh, people need to be aware of whatever the advice they give out. They need to, Almost that, you know, what's that book? Frankenstein, you know, be, be in charge of your own monster that you create. That's the mm -hmm. whole metaphor of that book. It's, it's almost the same thing with, with social media. Whatever you post out there could create, can create issues down the road and can just be a domino effect. So that's yeah, some absolutely. of my good pieces you see online. Dave, Dave and I had a conversation um, a couple nights ago and, and it sort of kind of all ties into this. And so we had talked about, um, you know, this, this culture and why do you do it? And why are you out there and stuff like this? And, you know, it's easy for me, I guess, to sit back here and say, listen, I go out because I enjoy, I enjoy the company and my friends. I enjoy working my dog, whatever my reason is to get out. Right. But am I, and, and I'm using me Damien as, as the example here, Am I, you know, standing true to, to the words that I say? And, and that's something that, that people, and, and I've got to do, you've got to reflect on, on your decisions and, and choices that you make, right? So you say one thing, but are you actually practicing what you preach, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's very easy to, to not, it's, 
just say the right things, which you know are are what's going to be accepted and and applauded. But then, are you doing the exact same things uh, that you're preaching? Right. So so that sort of stuff ties in. But then Dave and I were talking, and and we kept throwing around this this demographic of 18 to 25 year olds. And you know what? I don't think that it is strictly the 18 to 25 year olds. And, and I think the reason why we use that is because we see, we see 18 year old kids coming out and they're the ones, the majority that's on, on the social media, but I want to throw it back to any new hunter. And, and that's what I think anybody, regardless of age, but you know, if you're, if you're 50 years old, you're not spending all your time on social media, but if you're a 30 year old person man or woman and and listen we're seeing it we're seeing it a lot lately where there's these new hunters that are coming in regardless of age they are bombarded with social media of pile pics and the fact that you need to be a pro staff or you need to be an ambassador you need to have this person sponsor you even even the 30 year olds are falling into it it's not just the 18 to 25 year old kids that that's fallen into it. And, and we, we tend to peg these kids as, as the problem, but they're not the problem. I, I'm part of the problem. We're all part of the problem because we're all on social media and we're all doing like, listen, I, I try, uh, I look at Matt Wilson um, and we've had him on the show a million times. Matt Wilson has said he never puts a picture of a dead bird up on a social media, never. I put pictures of dead birds up. I try not to put them up um, as often. I'd, I'd like to be able to have a, a, a thought provoking post whenever I whenever we make a post on Punisher Waterfowl, but that's not always the case. And sometimes it's just a picture of dead birds. Um, so, you know, like the entire industry, the entire social media world revolving around the waterfowl world, I think needs needs to to, to take a step back and, and just gauge what it is that they're doing. That like, am I right out of her in saying that? No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And like just to that one point that you mentioned, um, you know, posting posting dead birds. Um I got in slack for posting a dead bird once and it almost affected my career and I had to be more cautious about it. Or it's either you post a bird that is like, you know, a bit more respectable. Don't show it like with its head blasted off or mm -hmm. try not to show us as much blood. And, you know, you're being more respectable to the animal the animal that you harvest. Um, but yeah, no, not posting a dead animal. It's, it, it's very tricky because you're trying to be an advocate for the sport where you're trying to be an advocate of showing, you know, good sportsmanship. This is the fruits of our labor, but without showing the end result, it, it is tricky. hundred um, percent. Mark, I know. Oh, sorry. Mark, I know you've, you've touched on it before about, you know, um, it's see, and, and I don't want to peg everybody, but you've touched on it before. Like the, some of the big game hunters, like they go through, um, they put a lot of thought into when they post something that the picture looks as beautiful as they can make it, even though they've just harvested an animal. You've talked about this in the past. 
Yeah, I've talked about it. And if you've seen the picture I put up of the moose, yeah, me and me and dad and my cousin harvested there on Friday. Yeah, uh, you don't see any blood. Yeah. And now, if I had to zoom out on that, the lips of that animal were covered in blood because it was a long shot, and there was blood. And yeah, where where it had where the way she fell and the way the blood ran down, there was blood on one of her legs. So if you had to zoom out, if I had to take that, I, I had different photos taken, and that was me was one of the clean shots. That was why I picked that photo. Right. Yeah. So it, and- I, I just feel I, I got a lot of. It's not just you guys on my social media. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I got a lot of friends and family who aren't near anywhere near as big into hunting as we are. Yeah. And there's no, no need for me to go plastering stuff covered in blood all the time to them or things being, or even, oh, there's different Very parts. Cool. Like maybe if I had quarters of moose hanging in the, in the garage. And if I want to take a picture of that, that's a little different. That's processing the meat. That's, that's, that's a little different. It's not the same shock as when you have a, an animal that's just had its head blown off or, or something yeah. like that. So, Well, it's, a, it's really tricky because you got two parts. You get one is you want to celebrate the fact that you had a successful hunt. You want to share to all your friends and family. You want to put the post right away because, you know, you're excited. The blood's flowing. But then again, it almost it gives me anxiety posting photos sometimes because it's like, okay, is this okay? Is this not okay? Who am I going to offend? Who am I going to like? And, you know, sometimes the older you get, the less you care. Uh, but just with the, the amount of people I interact, either in the universities or in my, my other profession, I got to be careful, 100%. Uh, so it's, it's definitely a, a tricky, tricky thing to do. And there's no really set rules of how to do it. it just, there's not a book that says, you know, take the three-quarter view, make sure the antlers are posted like this, make sure there's no blood. And uh, it's not, it's not easy. It's not intuitive either. Yeah, Dave. If I had, oh, go Mark. I also made it. I, I, I got my, I got my deer on uh, two days ago. What's today? Thursday. On oh, Tuesday. I got my deer. So I had a doe tag and I put up a post about that as well. And, and I do show blood in it, but it's blood on the arrow and it's following the blood trail. It's like the little thing. And then I show the deer and the deer in the photo, it's me shining my flashlight from, 40 yards away and you can see the deer laying on the side of the hill where, where it expired. And, uh, what I didn't do was show, show this. I could have had a picture of the deer. If you can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. That's zoomed in. I didn't want to put that picture on of where I, of where I went up to the deer. Cause that to me was the most graphic of all the photos. And, uh, I just, you know, I left that one out. <laughs> yeah. Well, congrats on your deer, by the way. Thank you, Dave. I know uh, you know I've been I've been doing a lot of talking regarding some of the conversations that we've had over the last the last few days, um, and sometimes uh, I may miss important things. and And I want you to, you know, if there's anything that you need to get out there, um, because I think this is a this is a, a big topic and and something that I think we're going to dive more into. Um, in the in in the future, so um, I I really didn't want to step on your toes. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Me? Yeah. No, no. I think everything's good. Good work. Okay. I, hey, I, we're, what, hey, I've been waiting for this joke that you're going. Yeah, good job, Damien. Um, 
I've been waiting for this joke that you're you're supposed to get uh, savvy with. Yeah, and I and I purposely like finished a call just to show you. For the is call. that my call? Well, I want to see. I want to see if you. It's not the black and white ebony because this is the black ebony blank, and oh. this is crosscut uh, Bacotti. Yep. And as a uh, um, as a uh, rose uh, cocobola tip with the brass on it. <clears throat> just the that's beautiful. But that you did is... say you prefer the oil finish, so I'm just going to rub this one in and say it's not yours. As long as you didn't look, say you were going to rub one out, that's all that matters. But looking at that call, right? Like all these call makers, and you get that book, like um, Calling the Wild. It's a book that shows like all the old calls from all back in the day and stuff. And you look through it, and right now I'm at the stage, I'm trying to figure out a shape. And you and I had a good talk about it. And I've been talking and thinking about it and trying things and working on the lathe. And like most calls are like two and a half to three inches long. And really there's not much different. Like now I know what it's like for my wife only having three inches to work with. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I got it. Right. But no, like on a serious note, it oh, is tough. Poor girl. To not, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it is the- tough. Right. Yeah. And we, we had a really good talk is like, this is something I learned in, in, uh, in my industry. It's that the whole branding and DNA of, of, of a product. So the example I gave Dave is like, take a Coke bottle, take a Tabasco bottle, take a ketchup bottle and spray it white or spray it black. So there's no branding. You just get the silhouette. If you put it in a room, you tell people which one's the Tabasco bottle, which one's the Coke and which one is the ketchup. By the shape alone or the silhouette, are people able to identify what that brand is? Mm-hmm. And that's almost as a call maker is what you have to define is that silhouette. I got my styles, but I know in a couple of years, I might change them and I might get that Zen moment or that aha moment. So, like, you know what? This is going to be my silhouette. And I was the one good example I was saying is the Zinc calls from Fred. He has a really elegant silhouette. The way his bands, the straight wall, then it tapers. It's consistent throughout all the calls. So if you spray all of his calls black or white without any branding, you'll be able to see, you know, that's part of the, of the Zing family because it has that brand DNA or that, that silhouette. And as a call maker, if you want to make specifically a whole family of calls, uh, you kind of want that brand or that silhouette to transfer from one call to the other. My turkey calls, not my turkey calls, but my grunt call compared to my number two, has the same cut shoulder. It just elongated to, to four inches because it's a grunt call needs more room. Uh, it's just trying to establish that that silhouette and like it's not easy. It's not easy whatsoever. No, and like I've been working on like I finally got access to my lathe again, and so I've been working at okay. I'll just cut a shape out. You know, drill a five eighths hole. I'm not even like doing the reaming or anything. I'm just drilling a standard five eighths hole putting it on, making a shape and saying like, okay, well, this one came out. It looks, it looks like I crossed one of your calls with one of them, a moon pie. And then this one looks like I crossed this and that. And then you just start like wanting to chuck the damn things across the room and hopefully it breaks into something that looks good. Right. But yeah, it's very hard to figure out a shape. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I see, this is me. I'm not sure if I was naive coming in this industry because I say, oh, there's not a lot of call makers. I'm just going to start making my own calls. But once I got into more of the social media, then I realized there's such a small community of call makers that make custom calls, especially there's a lot more in the U.S. there is in Canada. 
And hopefully, you know, we can get more guys, get a better community in the Canada of call makers. Uh, Cause it's not like Arkansas, Arkansas, you can walk down the street, guys are turning calls in the garage. You can pretty much pull up, have a beer with them and they'll show you what they're turning. But I, I think it also is just a product of the manufacturing process. Everything's turned on the lathe, right? So if you use that as your process, eventually all the stuff is going to be the same is until someone develops, you know, a new method to make the calls. That's not traditional. I think that's where it's going to break the form factor. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I mean, after talking with you with, you know, some ideas of the calls, I kind of had a brain fart. I was like, geez, I should turn this on this weekend and make something completely off. And I might do it for yours. So not something that's going to look like my own calls. It might be completely left field, but as long as I, I get it out there and I send it, send it to someone and it's out in the world, I'm fine with that. Have you ever seen, I think it's called Bayou Beast calls, uh, Bordellos. Yeah. He has that, that scallop cut. His is no. So for you guys that maybe don't follow call making, it's he takes um, some of the cane out of the out of the swamp and he'll take two different sizes of the cane and he'll take one that's like the the bigger one. And that'll be his barrel. And he'll take the smaller one and he goes back to the traditional methods. And then he'll actually take like a, a piece of cedar that's been cut like a tree and he'll put it through a round hole in a piece of metal and to make it round. And then he'll make his own. um he'll make his own reeds out of combs and stuff like that. Like his, his are very, very traditional calls. And it just goes to show you like how simplistic it was back in the day to make these calls. Yeah. And here I am using a lathe. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't have it, but I'm just, I'm just trying to like, just to show you an example of like, uh, yeah. this is an older call versus like what the modern stuff is coming out with. And you can see the size difference. Mm-hmm the older calls but this is this one's not that old this one's from probably 85 yeah well yeah no that the, yeah. there's again back to what i was saying is when i entered the, the custom call i didn't realize there were a small community and social media again going back to social media things that i do like and things i dislike the one things i do like is connecting to people that have the same common interests in the sports so either hunting but also call making so i'm i'm in good good contact good terms with some ontario call makers or even guys across canada uh dave uh from naughty naughty beaver we talk quite often we compliment each other we help each other out uh cory um atkinson i think incorrectly Ackerton, like uh, we've been we've been following each other's progress on on social media it's been great uh, there's a new guy, uh, Cody, who's been uh, starting to make some calls, a guy who's in uh, Iroquois. Uh, I just feel great that like some guys got me started in the industry, guys from Arkansas. And now I feel I can pass that knowledge to Corey, who's who's getting into it. And eventually I'm hoping, you know, 10 years from now, we get a good custom call community in Canada. Because uh, a lot of the waterfowl hunting is the great, the better waterfowl hunting is in, in, in Canada. It's mostly, you know, Saskatchewan, for example. Uh, but, you know, eventually, you know, if everybody keeps working at it, hopefully it'll get there. But that will be awesome to see in a couple of years if we can get there. Hmm. And, and the waterfowl community up here is quite it's a lot bigger than people would think. Like um, <laughs> there's all kinds of small garage shops that you wouldn't even know about. Like, um, I've been doing turkey calls now for what, eight, nine years. 
but you wouldn't know where you are that I've been doing that. And that's because yeah. I just make these calls out of like whatever I have laying around and make sure that every new youth hunter has a call, right? I don't put them on I'm Facebook. I'm sorry, David. It's, it's, it's slightly better than just whatever the fuck you have laying around. Well, now, but like that's what it was eight years ago. Because I have yeah. two and they're fucking beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Now. Yeah, show me the mine's, ni- mine's nicer than yours, though, Phil. Just saying. <laughs> I don't know about that. Here's a question for you guys. Uh, maybe I'm stealing some thunder from an upcoming thing, but uh, I proposed this question to our friend Bobby Hayes there. And Damien, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I do. Um, so to hunt ducks, right? Very few things you really need. Um, you need your gun. You need your ammo. You need your, your waterfowl stamp, your migratory stamp, and your hunting license and your pal. Is the next thing you buy a call like a duck call or a good or set a shot, of binoculars <laughs> or a good or set shot. of binoculars. Right. And the reason that this came up is because so many people are there and they're thinking about like, man, I got to call ducks in. I got to call ducks in. Listen guys, if you are out there and you don't know if there's ducks around, you can't call a duck from 10 ponds over if you're in the mm-hmm. wrong pond you can find them with the binoculars. So if you're going to spend some money and I'm sorry if I take a sale away from you there, Philly, but uh, no, I I'm hundred percent agreeing with you. Cause the only successful hunts I have is when I put the work into scout. If I don't scout, you can tell yeah. I, I'm working yeah. my ass off to get some traffic. So well, I watched, I watched Dave ask that question to Bobby Hayes and Bobby Hayes never hesitated for a microsecond. He was like binoculars. Yep. Yeah. I, I said, Bobby, I got 150 bucks. Do I spend it on uh, one of your calls or do I buy a set of binoculars? Binoculars. Yeah. Just without a doubt. And yeah, never even thought about it. You need to find ducks before you yeah. can call the ducks. And, and I'm or, just hoping that that's a that little was, bit educational here. That's, that was deep. That was very deep. I believe I read that once in, uh, in the art of war by uh, you must find the ducks before you shall call the ducks sun to zoo yeah sun to zoo is someone gonna make a t-shirt about that because that sounds pretty good yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> hey there's always the other option before you even get the decoys you can get a shot cam no <laughs> you're you're referring to a post on social media recently i don't know what you're talking oh, about but you know <laughs> no. oh yeah i remember that post yeah. you could always get a shot cam right but the going, but yeah, they going back to your bro. No, go ahead. I was gonna say going back to your comment when I got into duck hunting, it was my parents' pond, and it was a very long pond. It used to be a farmer's field. Well, my grandfather used to cultivate it, but then the beaver blocked it, and then it just became a pond, and we couldn't reverse it. So it was very long. But I was I was shooting ducks without a call or even decoys. It's just I knew where the ducks were, and as part of the scouting, I say okay the wind's on this side and I put myself on this end of the pond and I, I was shooting ducks before even knowing how to use a call or even owning a call. So 100%, you know, get your, your, your binoculars and going back to the comment that Dana was saying about a lot of the new hunters, I don't think there's enough emphasis on scouting and the value of scouting on social media. Um, people don't realize, cause one of the reasons why I don't goose hunt as much 
is when I lived in Winchester, I was, it was easier for me to go scout and find those fields and get permission being in Stittsville. It's a bit more difficult. And also I don't hunt with the same group of guys before they used to always rely on us to do all the scouting. And I kind of got fed up. Uh, but all the good hunts was the ones that once we woke up early, follow the birds, when they get off the roost, find out where they land in which field, get permission. We were always guaranteed a pile. Um, but we put in the work of the scouting. So again, going back to that one comment about social media is emphasizing the importance of scouting. If you want piles, if piles are important to you. And watching my Instagram to see where I got my pile is not scouting. That's just Instagram following you dicks. Oh, that, that I hate. I hate. <laughs> when, I, when I'm ice fishing and I post, let's say a couple of walleyes that I caught, um, I get a, a message like, Hey, I'll give you 20 bucks. If you tell me where that spot is, I got some friends that will come that are coming really? from Toronto. Hey, oh, yeah. And 20 bucks is said, 20 bucks. I've done worse. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. What, what I'll do is I'll say, I'll refer, I say, call this number. I'll tell you what it is. It's a guiding service. And they're like, oh, you want to book us in? And it's like, you know, there's guys who earn a living to finding out where all those reefs are in the winter to put people on fish. And they're really good at what they do. They put a lot of time and effort. Call those guys, pay their, pay their rates. You're going to be guaranteed some fish. But I could also have been a dick and just say, take the 20 bucks and then send them somewhere else where there's a whole bunch of perch instead. (laughs) I don't know why it's so hard, but for fishing, uh, now that we're on this subject and we're off on this tadden. Okay, one minute on fishing. (laughs) All you got to do is drive around your damn boat and look where everyone else is fishing. (laughs) The guys who have the expensive boats with all the gear, look at where they're fishing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, guys, we are over that 60 minute mark. And, uh, as usual, we could probably go for another hour. Um, but I think um, we lost him. Yeah. yeah. That's, that should be the picture we use yeah. for the next video. Move closer next- to the house, Damien. Hey, how about now? Go on. Right. Good. good. More better. Okay. Sorry. I'll, uh, I'll talk to Elon, um, later. Um, right. fellas, we're at about that 60 minute mark. Um, we could go for another, uh, 60 minutes, I'm sure. So, um, we'll, we'll end it there. Savvy buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. I think, uh, I think you're going to be uh, a return guest just because I think we've just scratched the surface buddy, um, with you. I, and- I, I, I cleaned part of the shop just so I could be on camera. Wow. <laughs> we appreciate, we appreciate it. We well, really sure do. He, does, he does have he does have a nice shirt on. Does have a nice one. Yep. Oh, a Filson. Is it a Filson shirt? Are you wearing a Filson shirt, Savvy? Hey, did, did it no. cost you two hundred <laughs> no. bucks? Did that no, shirt I got cost you? I, I okay, so it's not a Filson then. It's not no. a Filson. But, but, but guys, it's, it's nice. It's a nice plaid. Thanks, nice I appreciate that. I, yeah. I, someone that likes plaid who's a plaid connoisseur. He's out. Yeah. He's getting married soon. He didn't pick that shirt. He was told to wear it. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, remember, he... you can say, I don't. Uh, no, I won't. No, I won't. But what's that? Someone sent me the funniest meme because I posted some of the engagement photos on my uh, social media page. Mm-hmm. And someone sent me the funniest meme. It's like, you know, when the bride in the engagement shoot, she looks like a goddess. She looks beautiful. And then you got the man who's just wearing the cleanest pants that he owns. And then there's the miserable <laughs> person standing next to her. Yeah, it just shows up. It's honestly true. All my pants are obviously covered in sawdust or blood or whatever. Oh. So 
It's the cleanest That's shirt awesome. that I own. My, my favorite's that new one, the new video going around, and it's just like, um, we were happy, and then this happened, and blah, blah, blah. And then it's this lady, and she's like, my husband and I were happy for 20 years. They were the greatest 20 years of our lives. And then the next seat, the next cut, it cuts to like, and then we met each other. (laughs) (laughs) Big time. Big time. Okay, fellas. Um, Listen, Savvy, buddy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Dealing with us, as you can tell, we're all over the place. Like it, it is. And it's a bunch of dudes that are all a type personalities. One, except actually, you know what? Mark and Phil never really butt in. It's usually just me and Dave. And actually, Dave don't do it that much. So really, it's only part, me that. Have, when I speak, just, you guys shut up. So that's fine. We just have the attention span of a gerbil. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if this was the first episode that you've ever watched of the Union Zero Four Thirty, you've missed some great, great stuff. Um. So please check us out. The thing that I want everybody to know, and one thing that we keep hearing about um, is that people tell us that they love it when we say that we acknowledge the fact that we're not experts. We are just a bunch of dudes that love talking bird hunting. And we don't mind stirring up a little bit of shit every once in a while too, especially Philly. Um, yeah, so like, like shit, uh, you know, actually we, we've got nothing better to do once a week for an hour. Or so we get together. Actually Dave, Dave was in a little bit of a mood today too. So, uh, so Dave was going, he had his jujitsu shorts on and everything. He was ready to go. Uh, oh Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was, it was kung fu fighting. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So Dave was eating in the mood. Listen, everybody, this is us. We are unpolished. We are as neutral and as I, I don't even know. Possible. This this is us. Um, you either love us or you hate us. Um, but please stick around. We have some really, really good things coming up. Uh, in the future that we really can't get too, too much into right now, but um, some really cool things coming up, but I will leave you with this. It has never been done in the waterfowling world ever. Correct, Dave? Yeah, I don't think you and Phil don't even know. No, we're we're part of the show. We don't even fucking know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's never been done. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Everybody. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for taking the time to, to spend with us, hang out with us, hear us ramble on about things. Listen, check out PVS calls. I'm telling you, um, the calls sound great. They look beautiful. Like our, our good friend Ryan always says, hey, listen, they can look good, but they got to sound good. Um, and I can promise you that both of them sound and they sound and look uh, amazing. Check them out. Small business. And listen. Just because somebody owns a business, don't think that they're this big, huge, multi-million dollar corporation. Just a dude, just a dude in a spare time making some calls. Support them. Be nice to one another. Dave, did you want to say something? Yeah. If you have an issue with a small business, talk to the small business. Don't be dicks. Spend some money on the small businesses, you cheap bastards. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Philly. Give us, give us a, give us a quote. My cat's breath smells like cat food. I I just want to see Phil hold up that call again. That's dead fucking sexy. That is is. dead sexy. That's dead sexy. I honestly don't know what to do with it. I'm not sure if I want to keep it for myself or put it for auction. So 
Not sure yet. All right. I, 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 got, an, I got an idea. You can give it the Punisher Waterfowl and we can do a giveaway. Just throwing that uh -huh. out there. Oh. You know what? That's a good idea. Send me your mailing address. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I, Way I to put them on the spot, eh? No, no. I'm I've already serious. talked to him. Hey, chill out. I've already talked to him about it. I've already talked to him about it. Chill you out. Keep your greasy this, this dick is, beaters off that call. See, this is, there's this other one I'm working on as well, but this one's still not in the finished stage. Yeah, this, the other one was more sexy. Well, <laughs> I know. Now it gets shined this up. It's like an infant. Yeah. Okay. Show, show, show the blank. Show the blank. Uh, yeah, so this is your blank. So this oh! is that's a black and white ebony. <laughs> See, that's like all over the place. <laughs> that's the most excited I've seen Dave in like months. I, I can always just ship it like this and be like, I bet you you can't turn this shape. Yeah, go Ooh. finish it. Finish it, fucker. <laughs> Everybody, this was episode 71 of the union. We are signing off for real this time. Big love until next time.